Welcome back, listeners, to a new episode of The New Standard, and you're checking out myself, Lance Williams, and my partner to my left, my partner in crime, Neil Kulong. What's up, Big Neil? Lance, it's been a long day. Long day, long game. Um, that one uh, that one got away from the Steelers tonight, as I am sure that you are aware. The Steelers fell 37-30 to NFL Week 11 action from Accra Hines Stadium Field tonight. Uh, the Steelers fell to three and seven on the season with a pretty brutal loss to division leader and um, now second place, a pretty firm hold on second place, but making a run for the division title. The Cincinnati Bengals, not a good game uh, overall for the Steelers, certainly not the last three possessions of the game, which were critical possessions. Lance, you might remember those. They were uh, ones that looked a lot like most of the ones in the second half did when the Steelers' offense was completely suffocated for uh, the final 30 minutes of this game, coming up with nothing, and the defense fell apart down the stretch until it was ostensibly over when the Steelers tacked on uh, some late gimme points. But the Bengals covered the four-and-a-half-point spread, win the game, Steelers are 3-7. and seven. There are some positives unbelievably in this game of course they lost so there aren't a ton of positives but there are some positives and big up to felicia i want to point out her positive a little bit later in the show because that's a number that i did not think the steelers would reach but if you want to participate in the program make sure you go to youtube do a search for the new standard and lance williams or neil kulong also you can find us on any podcast feeder by doing a search for the new standard and steelers and Neil, you know, what a difference a quarterback makes in mm. NFL games. What? And that's my kudos and my shout out to Eartha Kitt. I also want to give a big shout out to my oldest daughter who celebrated a birthday yesterday. Big up to you, Charmaine. And what a difference a quarterback makes. Let me, let me, because you were so Neil Stradamus on this one. And I want to apologize for the pixelation uh, from my computer in the background. Neil is rock solid now with the, with the new MacBook Air that Neil has. Well, this is really weird. This is not like, well, okay. If I move too quickly, then it does. But that's, that's the price of the background. Yes. It's weird. The, I've never seen myself so clear. I should apologize to people. With the sweet beanie. Is that the Minnesota North Stars? It's the North Stars hat. We talked about this like all last yes, offseason. I love that beanie. Yes. I mean, I, it could have been MBSU. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, this is the one I got for the present, and it's cold outside. Therefore, it's cold in the house. So uh, I threw it on, and it's been on. I'm going to keep it on. <laughs> you know what you said in our breakdown show? You said that the Cincinnati Bengals offense might be better without chase that it'll force him to get rid of the football distribute the football to more people and play more like a quarterback not a guy specializing in hero ball that really wants to feed a particular player too much but to really jump into the nuance in the quarterbacking position and by golly um, it looks like those words were absolutely prophetic because when you said them I was like eh, I read listen to the show I was like hey <laughs> I don't know if I can buy that this offense is better uh, without Chase playing, but when you score 37 on the road against a Mike Tomlin defense with Minka Fitzpatrick, J.J. Watt, and Cam Hayward playing, uh, you did some good quarterbacking, and your offense did some work. This is absolutely true, but just to be fair, to point out, T. Higgins, who had a monster game, um, probably – going to be a front runner for AFC offensive player of the week. That's something we've said about Steelers opponents a couple times this year. He had 13 targets today, nine catches, 148 yards, somehow did not score a touchdown, but 16.4, a grab as the primary and almost only um, target for Joe Burrow, who did not play a very sharp game. And what we saw from the Steelers, I think, defensively, uh, it worked for a while until Burrow got hot at the end. You got to give it to him. Uh, played very well in the fourth quarter. But top to bottom, the Steelers really tried to confuse him. They were running a lot of stuff at, the, at and around the line of scrimmage, pre-snap, looking to uh, confuse him, looking to mess him up. 
Uh, they called timeout twice um, when they were showing uh, different exotic blitz packages. Burrow did his damage certainly down the field. It wasn't on um, the the A and B gap blitzes the Steelers were showing. Some of that stuff worked and it was effective. We we saw the Steelers um, play some pretty decent defensive football against a very good offensive team. Uh, it didn't end that way for for three quarters. It was a solid performance. You couldn't have been too upset with it overall. They played very well after the first couple drives and then through to halftime. Steelers were competitive. They had their chances, but Burrow took over. Burrow played big boy ball at the end. I, I had tweeted this, Lance, uh, right before, I think it was about the 9.50 mark of the fourth quarter. The next two drives, at least for Kenny Pickett, are absolutely huge. Let's see what he's made of. Um, you didn't really get a chance to see what he was made of, but we certainly saw what this offense was made of, and it wasn't it wasn't good. It did not pass health inspection tonight. Um, a very, very poor job of the Steelers offensively overall. Let me give you a couple of numbers here. P. Ryan, Higgins, Irwin, and Joe Mixon were targeted. And correct me, I'm just looking at the, the game book doing my math pretty quickly here. They were targeted 24 times in a the game. They had 19 receptions for 284 yards and four touchdowns. They absolutely went to work and absolutely destroyed the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I don't know what the status of Witherspoon's injury is, but I don't think that the Steelers secondary is good enough for anyone to be hurt, that they need all hands on deck at all times, because Millette and Wallace were the candy bars today. They were the Snickers and the Twix because you could get it any which way you wanted, and you had a tasty treat when it came up against those guys because 19 of 24 for 284 and two touchdowns to just like five guys? Ooh. Big plays, Ooh. Lance. Big plays. They hit on splash plays, and that's what the Bengals are capable of. And, and really, you said at the beginning uh, in your, your dedication to Eartha Kitt or whatever that was. <laughs> when what you have a quarterback difference? you can do a lot of things and that really was the difference in this game now we'll we'll get into Kenny Pickett I'm not bashing Kenny Pickett I'm just pointing out that clearly the team with the superior quarterback was the one wearing white today and I, I thought Burrow probably not his best game this season but that fourth quarter he was lights out they did a lot of great things uh, they set it up and in the end when you are when you're the team that has what five consecutive three and outs like they did in the third and fourth quarter, your defense is eventually going to fall apart. We're going to rip on Levi Wallace, who by the way made a phenomenal play on the interception, as did T.J. Watt uh, earlier in the game. Uh, Arthur Mallett, I don't think the touchdown he gave up to to the the dude I'd never heard of before was a, necessarily a bad play on his part or anything like that. It just it, sometimes the other guy beats you. And a lot of times, especially as a defensive back, sometimes a quarterback just puts the thing on the on a pinhead and the receiver makes the play. Not a whole lot you can do defensively. But when you give a guy like Joe Burrow that much opportunity, that many snaps, that much control of the game, he's going to beat you. The Steelers were very competitive in this game at the 950 mark in the fourth quarter. Got away from him at the end. They scored a garbage Garbage time touchdown at the end. The score didn't fully reflect what the game was. I think this was more of the 27-23 the deficit that they had at, at the point in the fourth quarter. Defense collapsed down the stretch. They, they could have played better. You hope that they had played better. But this was an offensive problem. The, the protection was poor today at best. Um, they, they ran the ball a little bit better in spurts, but nothing worked um, over the last, what, four or five drives minimum. Nothing worked at all. And eventually your defense is going to fall apart. And that's what we saw. Because you brought up the drives, I'll bring up this number. Um, in the second half, the Steelers possessed the ball eight times and punted on five drives. And they scored on two of those, the field goal and, of course, the garbage time touchdown. But, you know, that's not good enough. And I'll just count the downs drive uh, where they turned it. They didn't turn it over, but they didn't convert it on downs. So that's basically six of the eight drives in the second half resulted in punts or no scores and that's not going to get it done especially against a quarterback like joe burrow that comes in and heats it up let me ask you one quick question at a point that vernon woody made and i have a thought here 
and I, let me let me let me pull it up real quick. Uh, poor play calling in the second half by Matt Canada. Let me ask you this: When you have a guy like Kenny Pickett with the amount of experience that he has, does the menu just get short in the second half? Is there some stuff that you just you know there's there's not a ton of stuff that you have at your disposal because of his level of experience, possibly the quality of defense that you're playing and the menu gets short that it's not necessarily the play calling but it's a lack of options it that is going to be an issue with a a younger quarterback especially you also have a new offensive line and in in my opinion uh let's also remember too mason cole went down in the second half of this game you had woodbury minnesota's own jc hassenauer out there Love J.C. Hassenauer, go Minnesota, but not the guy that you necessarily want out there in a regular season game. Um, your, your menu gets shorter when your quarterback isn't able to go through everything, for sure. And when he's young, making his, what, seventh start or whatever it is, you're not going to have as much. You're, that that benefit's not going to be available to you. A newer offensive line as well, they're still coming together. Clearly, it's a peaks and valley type of thing. I thought the offensive line did very well uh, against the Saints last week. They were atrocious today. The offensive line was was very poor. Uh, pass protection was non-existent. That damaged them more than anything. I, I don't think Pickett threw from a clean pocket the whole game. When you have a quarterback that, that still needs a, a little bit extra time to process what's going on, to find the receiver on the field, you need to buy him as much time as possible in order for him to do that. I don't know if Brady's getting rid of the ball fast enough against what Pickett faced today. And it, it it completely fell apart o- over the second half of the game. Um, I, I you know I'm not going to get into whether he's seeing ghosts or whatever, but uh, he he was not in anything of command of the offense of how they were trying to do everything. It it didn't work. It just didn't work. Protection was awful. Um, Pickett can't succeed. He's not good enough to overcome that kind of thing. Um, Burrow I think did a, a much better job facing a pretty good pass rush in his own right. I, th- I thought he was pressured well. He escaped a few times, made some plays down the field. The two takeaways that he had this game, unlike the five that he had in the first one, were were high-level plays. It, they were team-level plays, with the exception of, of – I, I hope we get a few minutes to talk about this. We saw T.J. Watt make what could be the best play of his Hall of Fame career on that interception. That That's otherworldly. You'll never see a play like that. Um, Burrow stood up to a pass rush. Burrow stood up to the challenges – the defense face Pickett wasn't able to do that today. So it, it's calling it an issue of play calling in my mind is it, you're, you're missing the fundamental basics of, of football. You can't block, you can't tackle. You're not going to win. In this case, the Steelers could not block. They weren't able to protect their passer. The run game fell apart late. It's not a question of calling plays. They just got beat up front. I don't think there's any other way to say that. It's interesting when you look at the game book because sometimes when you just look at the game book and you see numbers, it's revealing, and other times it isn't. And this goes back to my Eartha kit. What a difference a quarterback makes in football games. In this game, given that the numbers are exactly the same, you wouldn't believe that both teams had two sacks and seven quarterback hits. But it felt very different, and it felt very different because of the quarterback play. Joe Burrow navigated the pressure much better than Kenny Pickett, and you would expect that because of their experience difference. I want to jump into a question from Iron City Beer, and he said KP had plenty of time to pass. I thought he had some time. I thought it went up and down. It was kind of cyclical in the game. There were times when he had plenty of time. There were times when he didn't. Uh, He said he bailed early instead of stepping up in the pocket to buy more time. Do you think there's an issue, like Mark Tobin said, that there's an upgrade needed at the left tackle and left guard position? Because I think that Cole, Daniels, and Chooks are pretty solid. Uh, I think they found their three guys there. Um, What are your thoughts on Mark's question or Mark's comment of an upgrade needed at left tackle and left guard? I, I have been very clear over the, the major detriment on this team top to bottom is right now it's their left tackle. Dan Moore is not, as Mike Tomlin would say, varsity level. Uh, he played very well last week. We saw good things. PFF graded him well. He was terrible t- 
today. You know, I don't, I don't know what happened one week to the other, but he was really bad, and it drags the whole unit down. I don't think they have an all-pro left guard. Uh, Kevin Dotson's not any better than a marginal starter himself. But it, the thing with an offensive line, it's not so much your individual talent. It's really the group's floor is decided by their worst component. In this case, it's more. When Moore isn't playing well, you have to put a lot more emphasis on helping him. That's a running back. That's a tight end. That's sometimes your guard. They have to give him more help, and that overloads everybody else. That creates more of a problem everywhere else. To me, it starts with Dan Moore, and I, I, I would be hard-pressed to see him starting in Pittsburgh next year. Weird things have happened, but I, I same thing as Kendrick Green. It's kind of like, okay, well, this isn't working. We need to get through this season and figure it out. Um, see what else they can come up with from there. He's a significant problem uh, within an offense that has a lot of problems. I'm not blaming it all on him, but um, when he is not good, teams seem to realize it and they go after him. Um, and that that's that has largely uh, been the case in the bad uh, offensive games of which there have been many of them, most of the Steelers often most of the Steelers games of the season have been bad offensive games. Dan Moore has been a, a large culprit in that. So, yes, I, I would absolutely agree with it. I, I, I like Mark Tobin. I want to speak to Mark Tobin's next point. He said it's not Moore's fault. He's a low draft pick expected to play at an elite level. I don't, I'm not sure he's expected no. to play at an elite level, but he's expected to play at a professional level, meaning more consistent snap in, snap out. I mean, if you're a starter, I mean, that's the expectation. I mean, your expectation is not to grade out as poorly as he does. I mean, that's his job. He's being put out there. I think he's gotten better, but I, I, I think, you know, he struggled. One number I, I wanted to point out that we talked about uh, coming into the game, it was yards per completion. When we talked about a number that may prevent the Steelers from going on a run, and they were 32nd in the National Football League, which is dead last at 12 yards a catch. In this game, it was even worse. It was 15 yards a catch. That is hard to sustain. Really? And, and you can't do that and try to win. Because when you couple that with some good numbers on the offensive side of the ball, I mean, you look at their third down conversion percentage in the game, 8 of 17, 47%. That's solid. They were 3 of 5 in the red zone. And in the last two games, they've gotten into the red zone 10 times. And they were 60% in the red zone. But when you're giving up big plays like that in the passing game, 15 yards a catch, guess what happens? In the red zone, give up three scores. You give up big plays. You give up 6.3 yards per play. And so you give up 408 yards, even though the Bengals were only three of nine on third down, because you're giving up those big plays, it negates your positive performance on third down because they're getting it in chunks and puts them in position to score points. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff that the Steelers need to work on moving forward, but it is Moore's fault. He has to play better. Can, can we please highlight the Dan less comment? <laughs> I don't know. It, it, uh, from the top one there right now. Yes. I, I don't know how I haven't thought of that before. I don't know how I missed that softball, but that's that's going to be permanently engraved. Hey, he Steelers is no freak. longer Dan Moore, and he shouldn't freak. Have been Dan that's Moore. incredible. Dan Less. <laughs> how did I miss that too? Because I'm I'm great with nicknames, and I oh, miss boy, Dan was Less. He less he was he less today? Like um, the Indianapolis Fridays. You know, I came up with that one. <laughs> Mr. Butt naked and robbed when Le'Veon got robbed. <clears throat> Mr. Third and fifth with Antonio Brown. But man, Dan Les might be the best one. What uh, I, I want to get to the comment about it not being Dan Moore's fault because he's a low draft pick. Okay, first off, he's not. He's a second year player. He's made what twenty five NFL starts. Uh, the whole I'm a fourth round pick. I don't know what I'm doing. Thing is, no, no, no more. By far and away, no more. Um, certainly not with the way he played last week. He's capable of doing it. He didn't do it uh, for one reason or another. Either way, he's on borrowed time. He's the guy they need to have right now. Whether it's the draft or free agency, they're bringing in another left tackle next season. I can guarantee you that. There's no way Dan Moore is going to continue to start uh, beyond this season. And it, it, I'm not chastising him personally i'm just saying I'm, I'm sure he's a hell of a guy he gave it his best he's he's out there trying he's working hard it's just not working 
I'm not an NFL left tackle either. I don't think that he is a starting NFL left tackle. That's the issue that we have right now. And that's. <laughs> on left side. Oh my God. We dorks. Um, they're going to find a replacement for him. It's not an excuse. This is where the standard is. The standard comes from. He needs to perform better. It's that simple. Um, they don't have much of an option right now. Um, it, it's, it's something they're going to address this, this off season, whether it's a draft free agency, both they're going to have to address it because really he's a utility tackle at best. Um, and to be honest, he was a fourth round draft pick. I mean, it, it's, they're not always going to be Alejandro Villanueva. You get a guy taken off the scrap heaps junk pile and turn him into a, a pro bowl level starting left tackle. You're not going to be able to do that all the time. Fourth round pick uh, for a left tackle. That's, that's kind of a long shot. That's, that's pretty tough. Um, they gave it their best. It, it, it didn't work out and that's fine. Um, you know, for him as a person, I, I wish him well, but uh, they, their offensive line is not going to improve with him in there. It's that simple. Yeah, they're going in on him. Dan, no more in 2023. <laughs> Dan, less than symbol sign. I like that one. See, I had to jump in on the one. I thought that Dan would less than the symbol sign. But I think you're right. I think less. I, I think left tackle is firmly on the books. I mean, you know, the problem with this is that, you know, it takes complete effort on both sides of the ball typically to win football games. Unfortunately, in this game, you probably had Kenny Pickens' best first half, you know, maybe arguably with last week's. You know, the Steelers get 351 yards on offense. They average 5.2, which is a lot for them. You know, he throws for over 300 yards passing. He throws for, no, actually he threw for 265, but had a solid rating of 85.9. You know, he's he's getting better. You, you see that he's getting better. He's gaining comfort with Pickens and Firemuth. Um, they ran the ball pretty well today. Najee Harris ran it 20 times for 90 yards for four and a half yards with a long of 19 and two touchdowns. So things are starting to get better. They ran the ball for 102 yards as a team um, in total. Things are starting to get better. It's just that this is a treading, sexy, tanking football team that has some gaps in some areas that need to be addressed in the draft. And I think the fan base um, and listeners are are absolutely correct when they say that left tackle uh, should, should absolutely be on the lookout for next year. So John Pennington said both guys on the left side need to be benched. More and Dotson have to be replaced. Play the guys on the PS because they can't be no worse than those two. Actually, they can be worse than those two because as soon as – and that's the funny thing because what's going to happen is – let's say that happens and Kendrick Green plays. Oh, God. And so it's going to be, well, <laughs> why is Kendrick Green Post-traumatic playing? stress now. Thinking about the, <laughs> the heady days of Kendrick Green – barely snapping the ball accurately nine out of 10 times. Dan Moore, the turnstile off to the left side. Um, last year's group was worse than this year's group. Um, it, 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 we know that at least. They put a lot of money into the group that they have. And we've seen some decent things. There are a lot of them that need, a lot of parts of this team need work. You know, you're not going to be able to get around that. I feel Dan Moore drags the unit down. Um, we'll get into this in the offseason as well. But what you're also going to see is it, I, I'm going to give you all kinds of rants of why it is that Steelers drafting in the top 10, I really hope they don't take a left tackle. <laughs> Not because I like Dan Moore. I just don't feel when you're at a premium spot in the draft, taking a player that does not – throw the ball, catch the ball deep down the field, or, or hit the quarterback, quarterback is worth it. That's just me. Um, obviously, no, it can't be literal. But it, it, all signs would point directly to a left tackle at that spot. It wouldn't surprise me. that That's kind of where it's lining up. But, Lance, there is a reason why the Pittsburgh Steelers have not drafted an offensive tackle in the in first round for the last 35 some odd years and the overwhelming majority of those drafts in 35 years, they were selecting the back half of the first round. 
So it, it's a position that they have made do um, through other means. They haven't needed to do it. Uh, you look at them right now, black and white in a vacuum, tackle is the position they would need to address uh, because that's the position they need the best starter at uh, the, the, the soonest. But Tristan Wirfs is one hell of a left tackle. That guy's on a Hall of Fame path. He's incredible, an incredible player. He isn't helping that offense at all right now, in my opinion. They have a quarterback that can't throw the ball. They're not keeping guys healthy. They're not a very dynamic offense. They're not very well coordinated. Having a great left tackle is not a component of a championship team in all cases. Having a good one is. You don't need a top-rated one. We know Joe Thomas. Andrew Whitworth was a good tackle who was not drafted with a premium pick. He played on Super Bowl champion. Trist Wirfs played on Super Bowl champion. Um, you, you can make hay with a lot of different things. One thing I'm not going to do on this show, and I'm not going to try to purport that I have all of the answers, because I don't, clearly. You know, I'm just a guy doing a podcast. I don't have all the answers, and my crystal ball is typically foggy. It looks like the Buffalo weather from this weekend. It's typically very snowy, and I can't tell what's going on. But the one thing, let me ask you this, Neil, and I didn't want to drift off into the draft, but answer this very quickly. What's your thought? Has Highsmith played edge out of contention for a first-round draft pick? Um, is Have they played – say that again? Has Highsmith eliminated high, – okay, Sorry, I missed that. Um. I, that's that's an excellent question. I'm glad you brought that up. That that flashed through my mind. I think they feel that. I think he's a solid player. Here's the problem. I, I don't think he is the athletic specimen as like a Bud Dupree. Yes. So his ceiling on the market might not be as high as a free agent. Can they get him to a deal that says – you are going to be, and I hate this cliche. This is easily top five worst sports cliches of all time. Your contract is going to be the Robin to TJ Watts Batman. Are you okay with that? I can't imagine that he would be. <laughs> you know, it just doesn't make sense. I don't know why anybody's no. going to turn down $30 million on the open market just to, to stay in Pittsburgh because they're paying somebody opposite of you a lot of money. Um, I think they would love to keep him. I don't think they're going to give him a premium contract. I think they would love to get him on something cheaper. I will say this, though. They paid Woodley, and when they had Harrison on a big deal. Oh, you brought up that name. Um, uh, oh, sorry. Is that not allowed? <laughs> Can we not talk about that name? That name, Woodley. The Woodley curse. The, oh. the, ham, the hamstring of death. Yes. Like, wow. The Woodley curse. Um, it's, the thing is, I don't think they would pay... Highsmith in 2024 what they paid Woodley in 2011 so it, it's it's tough I don't you know I don't know because keep in mind you got what three years left on Watts deal it's restructurable he's not a guy you're going to let go of he's a hall of fame player he's an all-time player um you need Highsmith there, though, for the sake of not having to continue to draft that position while you have Watt in there. So I, I think it's a position you need to spend on. Um, I would I would keep him. Will they? I don't know. It, it's kind of the same thing as as Dupree, except with Bud. What I said was he's just he's too athletic. He's worth way too much money in the open market. Highsmith is not a great athlete. More productive, but he's not a great athlete. Guys yeah. like that tend to be fits in a system that they're in. They have to be set up to do the things that they're doing. And Highsmith is a good player. I'm not knocking him at all. I'm just saying uh, top to bottom, it's really expensive position. And when a guy is available, uh, they get signed. And a couple teams will drive that price up to a point where he's not making a whole lot less than Watt. And you want to spend that much money. You've got Minka's contract in there to worry about as well. Uh, if it overlapped a little bit more, maybe you buy a year with the tag before signing him. But if it overlapped with the end of Watt's contract a little bit more, maybe. But it's TJ Watt. It's not Lamar Woodley. You know, that this again, this is an all-time player. They're not going to let him go easily. I think what you're saying is 
it does take edge off in in the first round for that, this that, year it, yes for, for edge is yes. definitely off the books because you're for everything that you said you're not going to sign a first round edge and have to pay three definitely not it, you, know, you would not draft you would draft the one and even then to be honest with you it, you would what the Steelers have done with that position is when they get an edge uh, that they draft with something of a high pick, whether it's uh, Dupree, Watt, I mean, even friggin' Jarvis Jones played right away. They want him on the field right, right away. Absolutely. Uh, Highsmith played a lot. Injuries were involved with that. But um, if, if Bud Dupree got on the field as a rookie and he was the most raw draft pick that, that Kevin Colbert ever made uh, for, for first rounders, they're going to want that guy to play right away. So, I mean, look at, at, at Melvin Ingram last year. Um, Ingram. Yeah. I would argue was a better player than Alex Highsmith was, but they wanted Highsmith to get the reps. They wanted him to develop because he's the more cost-effective option. And Ingram was the mercenary. My thought would be that's what they would rather do. They don't want to develop uh, without reps an edge rusher, just because to be fair, you got to maximize the value of those guys because they cost a lot of money and it doesn't, how good you are certainly drives that price up, but you can be a fairly okay one and still costs a lot of money so yeah, I, I wouldn't I think they would draft there. that position no let's take a hard pivot and get back to the game felicia had a nice comment here what's up felicia i can't believe they made it to 30 that's a win how surprised are you that they scored 30 points in a game this year and, and point out some positives that you thought you saw in today's game from an offensive perspective hold on a second sorry I tried to avoid this. I have a as you try a very to, intense job now. It's kind of hard to get to everything here. Hang on a second. As you try to multi-flask and I am multi-flasking, do yes. Sorry, what did you ask? It was well, Felicia commented, I can't believe they made it to 30. That's a win. What's your thoughts on the offense? What did you like today? What not, improvements not did you see or I, did you see? I any? I, I, th- I thought I thought Pickett showed good command of the offense for much of the first half. It took a little bit for him to get going. There was a good stretch in there when they were scoring. I, I thought he did a good job. Um, hit on a couple deep passes, missed, missed one pretty bad. He's going to really wish he had that one back. When Pickens just torched this guy, he was wide open. Uh, Pickett missed that throw. He chunked it. it it's Oh, that was bad. But uh, first half, I, I would have graded him pretty well. I thought he did a good job. Not great, but okay. Not bad. Um, second half, nobody played well. I'm not putting it on any one thing and one thing alone. Um, Pickett didn't have a great opportunity a lot of the time. Thanks, Dan. Less than. Um, he <laughs> didn't get great opportunities and he did not make much out of the opportunities that he had. Let's just say that. Um, overall, I think we saw some good things. Um, what we would probably expect. We're, we should not think the Steelers have this, this, you know, building superstar in the NFL at this point, we shouldn't think that all their problems at the position are solved and they just need to, to get better people around him. There aren't many guys at the quarterback level who, if they had an all-pro offensive line, perfect coordination, great deep receivers, versatile running backs, and a field-stretching tight end, wouldn't succeed. Okay, If you could just do that, you probably would be able to make hay with that at a pretty high level. Fact is, your quarterback needs to be the guy to bring all that out of everybody else. And if Pickett is not able to do that, is he your guy? I don't know. Um, I thought he did fairly well today for the things that he could have done. I'd like to see more from him, as I'm sure the Steelers will as well. This this is going to be a long back end of the season. We are, what, two losses away from Tomlin's first losing season, so we can shut the door on that. It's pretty much a certainty now, mathematically. Pickett needs to show up and compete, and there's one thing that I really do like about him is he's a competitive son of a bitch. I, I appreciate that in a player. He's a fighter. I want to see him go out and brawl. I want to see him, you know, it, it, play with emotion, play hard. We see those things from him. Um, he can do that. He's got to continue to do that as he continues to improve. But not a great game. Um, 
can can we get into Pickens a little bit? I don't think Steelers fans really understand what's about to happen with him. Let me let me ask you this one thing. We were talking about what was your thoughts? I, I hate to nitpick uh, play calling. What, what was your thoughts on the sequence uh, when the Steelers had the ball on the forty-seven? I mean, because that sequence was pretty bad. Um, was that I mean, the in, second down run that went for a two-yard loss? Yeah, that that sequence I thought was pretty bad. I thought that was pretty much your turning point in the game. They get the ball back. They get it on the yeah. Bengals forty-seven. Essentially, they probably got what like minus twenty yards. <laughs> and, it, it was and I think yeah. From that point, the game kind of changed. What was your thoughts on that sequence of plays? To me, you know, I, I try to hate. I, I hate the rip play calling. I, I thought that was a very poor sequence. I, I, I thought that was was pretty bad at that point. I would. This is one of those things. I would really like to hear the honest truth from an offensive coordinator. What happened to call that? Because none of it makes any sense. You know, you look at the down and distance, the situation of the game. You wouldn't call that. So what happened? You know, did did somebody change something? Did you have? Did was there a communication issue? You just need to get a playoff. That's the type of play you run because the play clock's about to run out. You know, that it wasn't. They they didn't set that up very well at all. To to put it simply, second and ten when you're down four with the clock going in the fourth quarter, handing the ball to your running back um, it, it, on on a weaker side of your line for an offense that has not moved the ball at all and has thrown third and long for three straight drives, I believe. I, I think it was three, might have been four at that point. Um, I don't see it. But at the same time, it's not as if the pass game was working. And this is where I think if in, in the honest world, if they were giving you an honest answer, I think they might have said, look, second and 10, they've got nickel out there. We're going to try to run it because we can't protect our quarterback. I Honestly, I think that might have been uh, the the key factor in all this doesn't make anything better, but it, it would have been nice to see Kenny Pickett operate with a, a third and four for once. Uh, he didn't get any of that in the second half. Uh, catch him off guard. Try to do this. I know it, it, people don't think it seems all that creative. I I can't recall what the line did on that play. I want to see it, but uh, Harris didn't go anywhere. I know that. I think he lost two on the play, so it was third and long anyway. Um, at that point, like you said earlier in, in the show, Lance, you run out of options on the menu. It's not like there's a whole lot of things that they can run if you're not protecting. You throw out your pass game for a team that throws 60% of the time. You, you don't have a whole lot left. And I, I don't know the exact reasons behind it. I will say this. On the surface, in a vacuum, no, you would not want to run the ball in that situation. I feel like they were compelled to do so really because nothing else was working. Yeah, that, that sequence was bad. Then they got multiple penalties. They got a minus 15 in penalty yeah, yards almost, on that my, my stream, My stream got delayed. It popped back in. It was freaking third and 25, like all for F. Yeah, it was. Never it was mind. That, 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 that sequence God. was bad. Another <laughs> thing, I think, and Marcus J wants me to rip him, and, and it was bad. It was bad, Marcus J. I'm not going to kill him, but, but this is where I will kill Canada. And it's probably be a nice kill. Um, a nice kill. It's <laughs> uh, gentle. Peaceful. First down offense is bad. And when I don't know who the announcer was for the who was announcing the game, I can't remember. I can't recall who it was. But very rarely do I just agree a ton with what announcers were saying during games. But the first down offense was bad, really bad. I thought it was really bad in this game. And even though the Steelers did score points in this game in, in the first half of this game and scored 30, I thought they do Kenny a lot of disservice by putting Kenny into they put Kenny behind the chains on second down repeatedly. Yep. And Kenny ends up getting and so you'll have this bad play call or an inconsistent play on first down, put you in the second and eight. They run it, and now they're in third and seven, third and six. They put them in these tough third down and unmanageables. Um, and so I think you do your rookie quarterback a disservice. You don't put him in, you know, some third and short situations, not as if they're going to do the same thing. Let's say what the commanders did in the Monday night game against Philadelphia, where they put Heineke in like a zillion third and shorts 
where they converted so many third downs because they had oh. a bunch of third and ones, third and twos, third and ones, third and twos, where you, you can I can convert those. I just think they've got to be better on first down as well. And I I'm, I never get a sense of when I'm watching them, what's the what was the first down plan? What was the thought? What are they trying to get to? What are they trying to accomplish, particularly with the first down calls? That's it the value like when you stay on schedule, though. And when you can't, it, it screws everything else up. It, it's not – plays have to set up other plays. It's a fluid process. You don't just, you know, scroll through like you're playing Madden, land on a play and pick it. it it's, it's part of the plan that you're trying to run. And when nothing works, it's not like they're calling a play for no protection. When nothing else has worked, you don't trust that your offensive line can protect your quarterback. It's hard to call passes repeatedly until you have to at the end. And that's you know kind of kind of the direction that this went in. I'm, I'm trying to look this up here at the twenty. Okay, so Bengals got the field goal to go up 27-23. They traded field goals. The Steelers punt uh, six plays, 27 yards punt. Four plays, five yards punt. Four plays, one yard turnover on downs. And it's over by that point anyway, because the Bengals at the end of theirs, they punted, then touchdown, field goal, and it's over. That's that's the better team. That's the team that made it happen when it had to happen. And, and the Steelers were not able yard to do that. drive. On top of that, eight plays, ninety-three yards. You know, which makes it even worse. You know, to your point. You know, it's long field situation there as well. Um, but, yeah, make your point. Hold on. I got pinged again. You were making a point about them having the ball. The Bengals scored 10 points on their last two tangible drives. The Steelers turned it over on downs after punting two in a field goal. Or the, the, the functional part of the game. I know literally they scored a touchdown in their final drive, but the game's over at that point. They're down 37-23. That, that's a useless drive. It doesn't mean anything. Their functional best opportunity at 24-23, they, they pulled within one. They ran, what, 10 plays for 32 yards, 14 for 33 didn't move the ball at all. Their last three functional drives playing from behind in the fourth quarter. The Bengals did the opposite of that. Um, the, the better team of the two is going to win those downs, those drives, and clearly that was Cincinnati. It, we shouldn't be overly surprised. If you look at it on paper, it's pretty obvious who the better offense is going to be. And if the Steelers' defense is not making play after play after play, which it did for, for a stretch of this game, you're, you're thinking – probably they're going to score 37 points and it, that's kind of where they ended up. Not really in reality. It wasn't, you know, fully um, that bad. The game was over. It was pretty much out of reach for the Steelers for, for the last six minutes of the game. And Cincinnati just kind of kept going, but Pittsburgh was not able to generate anything uh, offensively. And that put their defense in a bad spot. The defense got them the ball back, gave them uh, as much an opportunity as they could they had the chance at nine minutes left. They were down, what, four at that point, and they only got the field goal out of it. Uh, didn't score again. You know, that, that they just didn't play overall. They, they didn't do the things they needed to do, that the championship teams, the winning teams do. Cincinnati is a better team than Pittsburgh is right now. There, there's just no doubt about that. And we started the show off with my <clears throat> comical impersonation of Eartha Kitt. What a difference a day makes 24 hours. I flipped it into what a difference a day makes or a quarterback makes in the NFL. And when you look at the key drive in this game, Burrow hits T. Higgins for 24 yards. Burrow hits T. Higgins for six. Burrow hits T. Higgins for 13. Burrow, uh, you know, another 12-yard pass, then another 12-yard pass, short right P. Ryan. I mean, that's an eight-play drive, 93 yards. You finish the game. That's why these guys get all of that money. I mean that that that's. I mean that that's exactly why they right. get the money. Yeah. I mean it's, it's the difference. The difference is, uh, you know, I mean it's bang bang twenty seven thirty two fifteen. 
I mean, it's bang, 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 bang. On the road, they their their kicker hit from fifty four. You know, he stepped up. Defense stepped up. Offense stepped up. When when the chips were down, and and Tomlin will come up with a much cooler way to say this, but when the chips were down, the Bengals won every hand, and the Steelers lost every hand. That's just it. I'm not at all surprised, to be honest with you. It it, it uh, there are very well coordinated uh, and talented offensive team. And they don't even have Jamar Chase in there. That's their Bengals are a good, good team. Um, Steelers hung with them. They they played they played hard. Um, they played competitively. Just they they couldn't get moving in the right direction late. And I for me, like I said, I I really don't think the strategic play was second and ten. Well, let's run the ball. Let's establish the run. I I honestly think it was. I, we really can't throw. We know we can't throw unless we have to. Let's see if we can get half of this here, make it easier so we can utilize uh, the the short flats a little bit more than what we've been able to. We don't want them to turn the ball over either, so let, let's not pass into a nickel defense, which is, I'm guessing, what was on the field. I, I haven't seen it. I know the play call was weird. I know that they definitely won up front, which is even more to the point. They can't even block that. I mean, what do you, what do you want them to do? They can't really do anything blame the play calling all you want you, you act like there's a magic play that's available what if there isn't what if they just suck <laughs> you know i'm sorry but that's really where their <laughs> offense is right now you know i want to answer marcus jay's question who was the candy bar in this game and i want to apologize because i got the play sequence incorrect the first play in that play sequence where the Bengals went up 34 23 was indeed a deep pass to Tyler Boyd for yeah. 27 yards on Arthur Millette. On Millette He's yeah. one of the candy bars. He was the Twix. Then they came back and they got the, the Snickers right or the Butterfinger with Levi Wallace for 32 yards Wallace, to uh, you know, Steve I, Irwin's I, nephew. I, I, okay, can I ask this first off? Is he literally Steve Irwin's nephew, or is that no, just I the joke everyone's up. making? I, I mean, okay. I, I, no, I, I heard it a bunch of times. I honestly didn't know. I, I I made the joke that I've never heard of the guy. I said, "Who?" You know, I, I I tweeted this. Who the f is? That was his name, Trenton Irwin. <laughs> no idea who that guy Blimey. is. People are all telling me that he's Steve Irwin's nephew. I thought he was. I was like, "Wow, I didn't know that. Crazy." Um, <clears throat> I wanted to get into that as well. That was really just kind of like, okay, that's what the big boys do to to win these games. That's what if if you want to close the team out, you start making those kinds of plays. Uh, Boyd is is a damn good slot receiver. Um, it, people want to bag on on uh, Mallette as much as they want. More of what I would get after Irvin or uh, uh, now I'm doing it. Wallace for um, the press release on Higgins. Yeah, Higgins didn't score the one they knocked him out of the three. Right. I I hate to say this because it's only going to bring up the same argument I've had with a bunch of people about this, but. That route, that play, that defense is exactly why they acquired William Jackson. <laughs> That's the play they wanted to make. At the same time, though, Wallace did a hell of a job in the same type of situation last week, and he got a pick out of it. T. Higgins is a pretty good player. He's pretty big. Um, not the best jam and release uh, for Wallace from a technical level. Um, he's going to want to work on that a little bit. Not a best game, not the best game for him, but that that uh, the inside tackle end stunt that uh, it caused Spillane to tip the burrow throw that Wallace dove in front of the receiver to make the pick. That's a great play. Uh, Wallace is really kind of hot and cold. Bills fans all they all told us that's really kind of his reputation. Uh, that's what you get for two million a year on the market. If you want a better one, um, draft high because Jalen Ramsey, you take him top five, and you got to pay him twenty five million a year. That's a position I hope that they target in the first round if they're in position to is to get a corner. I I I I'm hoping corner, but I do want them to allocate some resources to Kenny Pickett in the offensive side of football. Before we get out of here, playmaker. Before we get out of here, Neil, real quick, you you brought up William Jackson the third, who's on IR with a bad back. When they do the transaction, I know they're doing medical on him. Are they just – they know that he's probably going to be on IR. They're fine with the medical because yeah. it's a long-term plan. And well, they're like, it, well the, the deal was no compensation if he doesn't play X games. And if we think okay. he's going to be out for this, 
So really, they're, they cut him and they picked up his contract. It really was no different than um, waivers if nobody else would have claimed him. So it, it, people made way too much out of that, like they didn't know. They absolutely know. They have to take a physical to pass to begin with. The Steelers were aware. It's just that was conditioned uh, for the deal. Like, all right, well, we're only going to get him for three games. We're not going to give you a draft pick for him. We'll pay him. We're taking his salary off your books. That's the value for Washington. They didn't want him at all. He didn't play. So it, really the Steelers took him because he's the right kind of, of uh, cornerback for the defense that they play. And if they get him for three games this year, great. But they control him in the offseason. And that includes an extension. That includes anything else that they might want to do with him. And if he's a total bum, they cut him. And they really have lost $3 million this year. And that's deck chairs on the Titanic for the financials of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Not it's a huge interesting. Deal. It's interesting that you say that because if he pans out and they retain him, maybe that takes corner off in the first round and edges off. Maybe, which you corner know, maybe. is not, also not a position that they want. That they have commonly addressed uh, yes. high in the draft. So, yes. Plus, but the need I, is there. I, I the like need what, is absolutely there. Yeah, it definitely is. It definitely is. Um, to say that, though, they invested a free agent contract in – Two players that they retain technically in Arthur Millette and uh, Kella Witherspoon. You sign Levi Wallace, took care of all of that. My thought was, and we talked about this back in March when, when those moves were made, my thought was they don't want to draft a, a high-level cornerback. They're going to roll the dice with a later pick, uh, try to, to, to bring them along, develop them. Not so much like an undrafted free agent like a James Pierre, who, by the way, is also a free agent this year. Um, they had extended Cam Sutton. So they, they went for all veterans uh, within their secondary. I don't think they're going to do that again. I think they are going to invest a, a premium pick um, in, in a corner. They're going to need a guy to build around. But, I, you know, Jackson is such a great fit in that defense. It wouldn't surprise me if they view this the same way that they viewed Hayden and they want to give him a, a three-year deal up front. I think it would not surprise me if that's what they want. Um, and from there, if you have the one money guy, um, you don't want to pay another one on top of that. It could be a first round draft pick, you know, second, maybe another third. They're big in corners in the third. I can see why they wouldn't want to do that. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. It, it's, it's interesting, but that's definitely going to be one of the positions we'll, we'll be discussing. Listeners. I want to thank you guys for joining us. I want to thank you guys for joining us. Lance's landline is ringing. Yes. No, I actually don't have a landline anymore. Well, that's but, good. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I I have progressed beyond the, the the dial that goes. Anyway, most of you guys are probably too young to have ever had one of those. You probably always had touch tones. But anyway, uh, I want to thank everybody on the show for participating, and I'm just hoping that the Pittsburgh Steelers will defeat the Indianapolis Fridays because if they get out coached by the Indianapolis Fridays and lose that game. I watched the Fridays today, man. They, they didn't look too bad. Ooh. They didn't look too bad. It'll be really bad. But with that, we are going to go ahead and conclude the program. And as always, tune in, tell a friend, and subscribe.